You, you know, I really don't like that Israel National Radio. They're just too, you know, confrontational. I, pr- I prefer some nice passive Jews, you know, the kind we have back home here. They, they, over there, they're so loud. I mean, it, I prefer they be a little more accommodating to, to Hamas. I mean, were, were those Nazis really so bad? Please, Israel National Radio, no controversy. Please, makes me nauseous. Israel National Radio, your newsstand from the Holy Land. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. Folks, we appreciate you being with us here today on the Noahide Nation show. We know and really do appreciate you spending an hour with us. We know how busy things can get day to day, week to week, month to month. And, you know, Adam and I really appreciate you taking a, an hour out of your lives and spending it with us. Right, Adam? Sure, I absolutely do. Hopefully, uh, we're not interfering with anything too important for them, but uh, hopefully this is, they're getting some benefit out of this. Yeah. We, in other words, we don't want to get any email uh, complaining about us interfering with your, 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 your daily show, schedule. Your, your show is so interesting that I can't, you know, go to work or get out. Yeah, we don't want anything like that. You know? <laughs> but uh, today's show... Oh, my gosh. I don't know if this is going to be a good show, bad show. I have no idea how this is going to unfold here. But, you know, Ray asked me, what do you want to do the show on? And I I told him I want to do it on such and such. And so we're sitting down, and and I've completely (laughs) forgotten what I said, and I've got a completely different thing in my head. And in the process of talking to Ray about it, I I came up with 15 different things I wanted to talk about. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. (laughs) Yeah, we tried rock, scissors, papers. That didn't work. You know, heads, tails. That didn't work. So we're going to go ahead and just kind of throw some things out there. Uh, I know that all of you are well aware of the Republican race for the presidency that is going on right now. I mean, there's all the debates. There's uh, all the articles. I mean, the media, it's a regular circus. And for those who don't know that's going on, you've probably been under a rock. But there's been a lot of activity, all kinds of uh, debates. And, you know, so Adam and I thought, you know, what... We were asking the question, what makes a politician somebody that people like us would vote for? What makes them better than uh, somebody else? Uh, what makes a, a liberal uh, better or worse than a conservative? You know, who are these people to be dictating and making demands on us? And we're not talking about just constitutionally. We're talking about based on on morals, on on, on Torah, on the seven laws of, of Noah. And do any of these people, even by mistake, follow these? You know, it's it's interesting because when you read the, the Torah and you, you get to the section on the, uh, I'll call it the disaster of Shechem, right? The, the, or, or how do you say it in English? Shechem? I get that. Shechem? Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I'm so used to Shechem. So <laughs> the, we'll call it a disaster where, where you know, uh, the, the, king, the king of Shechem kidnaps Dina, Jacob's daughter, uh, rapes her, and then the um, two of the brothers, in, primarily Simeon and Levi, go and kill everybody in the city. Right. And the reason is, is because the son of the king did something wrong. He kidnapped and raped, which under, under the Noahide laws you shouldn't do, absolutely. Right. And the people refused to prosecute their leaders. And, you know, even to the extent of saying, great, we're fine with it. 
course, they carried back a, 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 a consequence of the whole city being destroyed. God never once holds, you know, ever, ever says that, that the, uh, the brothers did anything wrong with, with that destruction. And I think a lot of people, not just, uh, you know, B'nai Noc and Jews, but Christians, perhaps yeah. even Muslims, I'm sure, as well, they have uh, religious uh, states. You have to wonder, to what extent am I supposed to hold my government accountable? To what extent can I agree with my government? How, to what extent can I support a person, a politician, who doesn't really represent me? You know, this was my big dilemma in the... Uh, in, in, in Obama's uh, first bid for office, him versus uh, you know Obama versus McCain, and quite frankly, I didn't feel either one of them represented my my values as someone who is you know observant of Torah. I voted for neither per- person. I made a, a choice to abstain from from voting that year, but this election, you know, I feel like uh, you know I would almost rather vote for a paper sack instead of uh, the guy who's currently in there right now. Well, <laughs> you know that's that you know, and, and so this time I'm 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 trying to, so I'm really really thinking about this because, is there any one person on here who who represents my way of understanding or or thinking, and do they represent Torah to a certain extent? And nobody on here really, you know, as far as uh, if I were just going on purely on on political issues, economic, social, I. Well, we'll leave social off. I'm going more for economic issues, political right. issues. I might tend towards Gingrich right now. But morally, do any of these guys represent? I don't know. I don't know that uh, how comfortable I would say that uh, any of them. Well, that's uh, probably the big dilemma for, for folks like us who adhere to the Torah or at least try to. I mean, we really make the effort uh, to do it. We're not always great at it. I mean, sometimes we fall from grace, too, but we know what... You know, tshuva, we can return to to uh, Hashem. But, you know, when you're talking about guys like Newt Gingrich and uh, Ron Paul and Mitt Romney and Rick Santorum and, and those who were uh, with them previously to the uh, most recent debates, I mean, you have to look at all of them, every one of them, and ask yourself, does any one of them meet a criteria uh, that would adhere uh, to you know, even not even the entire Torah, but just the seven laws. Do they even? Is there anyone who's even close? And is is not voting better than than voting for somebody who might be flawed, but is far better than what we have now? Or do I you, mean, this is a yeah. a real dilemma that we are. This is a we're faced with this. What do you do? I mean, there's so many uh, different. The subjects that we could talk about today, I mean, there's not nearly enough time, but you watch these debates and you see these TV stations, I mean, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox News, and out of those four that I just mentioned, in fact, we'll throw CNN in there, the five that I just mentioned, four of them are extremely liberal, and they want, they just want to crucify these guys. They don't care what they say to do it or how they go about doing it. That's all they want to do. Then you can tell by the questions. Fox, you know, sadly, it makes my head hurt sometimes that Fox is fair and balanced. I don't like that. I want somebody who's fully on my side. Well, well, but, you know, Fox is not, you know, fair and balanced. Fox has their opinion, too, and they... And they, they they cram it down your throat like the other you know networks cram it down your throat, you know. Yeah, but they they ha- they allow more liberals to talk than conservatives. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they they do. Mm-hmm. They I should say they allow more liberals on their station than liberal stations allow uh, conservatives. conservatives. Uh-huh. So, uh, and they're far kinder in their comments than some of the things I've heard on on the others. But nonetheless, back to the the issues at hand from a, a moral and you know a socially moral government. Do we have it? Will we ever have it? Uh, are any one of these guys even close to representing it? And uh, should we, I mean, as as people of Hashem, do we have to take it upon ourselves to vote for somebody just for the sake of voting for somebody so that we can attempt to get a more evil person out, even though none of these people are really what we would consider really close to our belief system? Well, you know, and I think you have to, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, I mean, there's a certain extent extent to where, you know, you have to be a little bit self-serving. You know, I, uh, <laughs> you and I were talking a little bit before the uh, the break about education in regard to religion, the government right. in regard to religion. And look, it, you know, heck, I would love nothing better if there was a way for me to get Torah into the education system. But... At the same time, I recognize that if I were able to do that, guess who else we have to let through the door as a result of the kind of country that we have. Right. So um, do I want my, my young child, you know, learning, you know, the virtues of Islam and, and Buddhism and Christianity and all, the, all these various things? Well, not really. You know, I, I actually taught school for a year as a math teacher, and I didn't enjoy what I saw at all. Not something against the teachers, not something... It's just that the system has got a lot of problems. But, you know, what do we do with our kids? You know, here we have... Uh, you have children who come up and ask you questions about, well, hey, Mr. Penrod, we were learning about evolution today in class. We were learning about, you know, how, you know, how everything happens by chance and yada, yada, yada. Right. Well, Mr. Penrod, what do you think about that? Well, you know, there's separation of church and state. and You know, I'm in a you know, government-funded facility. <laughs> What's my opinion? Hmm, let me think about that. But, you know, do I want my kid subject to neutral answers or even, you know, responses going in the direction of what the, the government has decided that people should say in a, in a college classroom? Or in, in, in a college classroom, in a, in a classroom. Right. I don't know. In some ways, it makes me a, a proponent of homeschooling. You know, I I, I think uh, I almost think you know homeschooling might be the answer. So I'm getting a little bit distracted here, but the the whole point is is that um, you can't have control. You can't express the Noahide laws in a lot of very central ways as a result of our government. Uh, our government doesn't allow us, or in theory, doesn't allow us to be completely self serving. Well, I th- I think. Two, part of the problem is we have all these so-called scholars who tell us how we're supposed to interpret the Constitution. And that in these modern times, the Constitution, uh, when it talks about the separation of church and state, it now means that government can have no place in religion and religion can have no place in government. When in reality, when the uh, forefathers created this this document, this whole idea that wasn't even part of it. What yeah. was part of it yeah. was that you as a government cannot ram any one religion down my throat. Right. We have the freedom of choice. It had nothing to do with removing uh, God from the classroom, so to speak. 
right? I mean, but, removing God from the courts, from, you know, in fact, they still pray before every session of Congress. So, Well, you know, and, and uh, let me be devil's advocate here because I can and because, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, but look, at it, look at it like this, you know, um, don't mix government with religion, religion with government, because we don't want any one religion being the state government. But we've sort of agreed tentatively in a certain way that we we want a type of religious belief. We've agreed that monotheism is in some ways a preferred expression of religious belief that we allow, that we express. So when, we, when the government does express any kind of, of religious belief system, it's monotheistic, not polytheistic, not atheistic. Correct. Right. Well, I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this to, to you know, make it. When I'm, when the whole point I'm making here is, is that, I think on the other side of the, of the argument, they're saying, well, there is, there is a certain. Anytime you have, you take a public position, you're taking a public position, you're in some way telling people this is what you ought to believe. But this is a problem in all of human society. This is the problem with Hollywood. Hollywood certainly, you have. Certain positions that are being, you know what I mean? When, right. When somebody becomes a celebrity and they start, you know, uh, giving you their opinion uh, of, of certain things, abortion, God, whatever, right? You're being swayed by that person's celebrityness, right? You know, as far as helping you make decisions. Uh, you know, a lot of people are very inf- influenced by what celebrities have to say on it, but celebrities don't determine policy. Oh, you can say it. They don't deserve it. They well, don't deserve to. I mean, people do yeah. give them more credibility than they're, they're worth. Uh, I mean, it's just a ridiculous uh, thing to, to watch people uh, listen so intently on these uh, celebrities who have really most of them are clueless. They have an agenda they're trying to promote. And whoever is in agreement with their agenda, and it really doesn't matter, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. Whoever's on their side, that's the side they endorse. But you know what? Everybody has an agenda. Every you know the government has an agenda. When you True. have when you have yep. people in, in the government, right, and they say no school, no no religion in our schools, the, the consequence is is that the agenda that's being pushed forth forward then is atheistic. Right. I mean, unless you're going to say that the government can't say anything one way or the other about the question of God, and if you say that, the government has no place in education. And, well, and what they're also saying is that God has no place. In education, well, but even, but even more than that, if you say that the government can not say anything positive or negative about religion at all, they can't take an atheistic position, they can't take a theistic position. But they do. But they do. Well, I'm not arguing that. All okay. I'm saying is, all, right. all I'm saying is, is that if we're going to be consistent, right, right, and say government has no right to interfere with religion in whatever expression that it is, then what can the government tell us to educate our kids with? For example, let's take. Let's take the science book. They couldn't. They, in fact, what you're saying, I, I believe the answer is they couldn't teach you anything. They, the only way they could teach you anything is if they offered both sides. For example, go ahead and teach evolution, but at the same time teach creation. Don't promote one to the exclusion of the other, and, and that's what our school system today is all about, and is promoted by the government on both sides. Liberals, it's you know they get theirs when their guys in office when they own the Congress and the Senate, and conservatives get theirs when their guys in in office and uh, they they control the the Senate and Congress. Mm-hmm. So what really needs to be done is free choice, freedom of will, which is what Hashem provides us all with. And the only way you can get there is by choosing between good 
and not so good. And the only way you can do that is by presenting both sides. Only we don't allow that. We have a government who basically basically dictates to us how we're supposed to think. And they do it very covertly, in, in most cases covertly, sometimes well, not so much. Well, you know, Ray, and, and there's even a, a bigger difficulty with this because it's not just promoting both sides. It's promoting 10 sides or 12 sides or Agreed. 50 sides because Agreed. human beings have a lot of different opinions about about every issue you have. Right, but if you want to talk about is there a God, is there not a God, you can incorporate all the religions of the world on one side. Obviously, they would have to believe in a God, right? You know, some uh, a being higher than themselves, bigger than anything. And the other side, of course, is those who are basically atheists. They don't believe in any sort of creator. So even though you have a you know ten thousand different religions, they could all fall on one side of the line that says, "Oh yeah, we all believe in God." Their gods may have different names; they may represent different things. But uh, I, you know, I don't think it's as complicated as we would like to make it. Be just because of that fact, you can you can you know you get one side or the other. Only only with depending on what the question is. Well, let's talk depending about other, if you look at uh, some of these other issues like uh, abortion. Sure. Okay, you, there's there's only really two ways you can go with this. I guess there might be two and a half, mm-hmm. and the half being our way. <laughs> there's yeah. there's those who are you know absolutely against abortion, regardless, and then of course there's the other side, the other extreme that says, oh no, you can abort anything, anytime, anywhere, and I've, let the government pay for I've it. I've even read I've even read uh, ethicists who were uh, being were advisors of the, the White House who said, you know, they, they felt that you should be able to abort a child when they're two years old. Right. I, it's just it's silly, but, you know, but well, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's, and, there's, then, and then the half comes into play right, right. because you and I know that it, as bad as abortion is, abortion in the eyes of Hashem is allowed if the if the the pregnant mother's life is in danger right if she's at risk of dying then you must perform the abortion so if you look at all of these candidates for for running for the republican office they're all against abortion if you look at all the you know liberals who would run for president i don't care if it's obama uh hillary you know i, I don't care who it is they're going to be in favor of abortion so you have both extremes at play here. So how do you how do you select your candidate? For me, I would look at this particular issue and say, now wait a minute. So I can select any one of these Republicans and feel in my heart and in my mind that it's a better option than the current person, because the current person and his wife believe in abortion. And, the, you know, they believe in the, the killing of, of children. So I cannot buy into that. So, you know, as much as I hate to, you know, use a cliche, it's the better of two evils. Well, but, you know, looking at, uh, you know, Gingrich, though, doesn't necessarily say he's not necessarily calling for a constitutional ban on abortion. I think Gingrich is more of a, a states' rights kind of guy in some right. ways. Well, I, I, think he, I think more he would go along with the idea that a state has the right to determine 
And Ron Paul would say the same thing. Ron Paul would say the same thing. And you know what? To by and large, I I, I agree with that. However, even at the state level, you have politicians, right? And so we're still faced with the same dilemma. Sure. You know, there's no there's no half in there. We're the halves. Only we need. I guess we need more people like us running for office. (laughs) I I don't know. uh, You know, would anyone donate to us? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I I feel like I I don't know that I'm electable, but. <laughs> I'm fairly certain we're not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we we get much garner much support, but uh, but that is an issue that Noahides ought to become politically active, right? In, in a certain degree, you know, I've always felt having political discussions, and this is just this is my feeling is that I ultimately believe when we talk about these different issues about abortion, pro and, and anti-abortion. You know, um, anything having to do with any sort of moral question that the Torah talks about, not necessarily civil stuff like um, debt or the economy. Those are civil and, and – yeah, right. but when it comes to more of the moral questions, for me, I, I find it very difficult to say that a politician – we can elect a politician who is going to say – who's going to be on the right political side. Before we can have a politician who's going to represent things on a moral level – I think you have to have more of a grassroots movement amongst the people to develop a moral sensibility. You know, the, the, you know, the the rabbis tell us that um, you know a people deserves their government. Right. So if we want a Torah type of government with politicians who look at things from a Torah perspective and act on things from based on their understanding of Torah, the people have to have a Torah education. Right. They have to know Torah and understand Torah, make it part of themselves. Absolutely. And so my view is is that before we start worrying about getting Noahides into political offices, let's work on getting Noahides knowing Torah. And that means more well, than okay. That yeah. means that means more than just, you know, reading some books about Torah. It means it means reading halakha, but it also means doing it, doing the halakha. Right. As well doing and and even doing the halakha isn't sufficient. Because you know I've talked before, about this before, Ray. You have to go above the halakha. There's a certain level to which Hashem wants you to actually go above the halakha and grow closer to Him. The closer you get to Hashem, the more that's going to affect the kind of decisions that you make. The more sensitive you become to other people. Right. The more sensitive you you come to to think about issues. Not just okay, the halakha says this. Therefore, I have to make my decision based on this. You can actually. You know, you'd be even more sensitive than the, the halakha is in certain situations. Right. But I, I don't think that this entitles me. I mean, this is just my opinion. The, this whole uh, debate on uh, whether I should vote or not vote or, you know, do I want to participate or not, and use the excuse that, well, they're not uh, a totally Torah observant in, in terms of a Noahide sure. following this, sure. the seven laws. I, I can't say to myself that I'm not going to, I'm not going to participate because of that. I, I, I guess if you know somebody's going to take me out, I, I, you know, or try to, I mean, I'd rather go up against the the guy with no that has no bullets in the gun than the guy who's got the bullets in the gun. Sure, you know, it, it's just, it's the lesser of two evils. Well, and I think that, and I, and I think that's a, a practical way to go. Where I think that at the end of the day, then I think you have to be in it for yourself. I mean, I, that sounds very selfish, but on on the other side of things. You know, you have to be a little bit selfish. I agree. And, in fact, we're going to be a little bit selfish here and uh, have to cut on out because we've got to let uh, Israel National Radio take care of some business. So, uh, Adam, let's go ahead and sneak out of here. We will uh, come back, and we'll see you folks on the other side. Sounds good. 
This is a moment in Jewish history. In the early 1980s, Iraq under Saddam Hussein began building the Osirak nuclear reactor. Israel feared that Iraq would use the reactor to build nuclear weapons and bomb Israel. When negotiations didn't work, Israel under Prime Minister Menachem Begin decided to bomb the reactor. In June 1981, a squadron of fighter jets flew into Iraq, bombed the reactor and returned safely home. The successful mission was met with praise in Israel, but condemnation from other countries. These same countries later thanked Israel during the 1991 Gulf War, when Iraq's further plans were revealed. One of the pilots was Ilan Ramon, Israel's first astronaut, who later tragically died in the space shuttle disaster in 2003. This Jewish History Moment is brought to you by Israel National Radio. IsraelNationalRadio.com Arut Sheva and every single show on Arut Sheva. You guys are leading. This is what leadership is all about. You are putting the truth out. You are unstoppable, determined, focused, committed to putting the truth out. And I pray that you will be able to wake up as many people in Israel to start listening to you for the leadership to follow in your footsteps. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on your show and be able to express my opinion. IsraelNationalRadio.com We are your connection to Israel. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind, open your eyes. Israel National Radio. You got to love yourself. Unconditionally. So listen to Israel National Radio, popular voice of the children of Israel. Israel National Radio Revolution. Shalom and welcome back, everybody. Adam and I appreciate you sticking around with us for the second half of this Noah Hyde Nation show. Um, unfortunately, uh, we had to wrap up our discussion in the first half. I don't know if we got anywhere with it or not. But <laughs> I, think, I think we've got the idea across it. This is a kind of a complicated uh, It's kind of like politics. Subject, it's yeah. designed to make your head hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in in any event, we've got a, a kind of a cool thing happening today. We've got both uh, Rabbi Katz and George Brock joining us to uh, give us a couple decent teachings. I'm, I'm looking forward to them. And to get us started with that is going to be Rabbi David Katz giving us his uh, Anoahide teaching. So we will catch you in a little bit. Adam? Yeah, see you guys soon. The Torah Academy of Shem and Aver. Shem, the son of Noah was famous for, for being the spreader of Torah in the New World. But most famously for Shem was his two Torah academies. One Torah academy is in Sfat, in the Galil of Israel. And the second is in Nineveh, outside the land of Israel. Now why does Shem have two Torah academies? And why is Torah... The main component of Shem. Why don't we say he was a nice guy? He was a regular righteous guy. He was, 
He was close to God. He was into good deeds. He was into commandments. In fact, we don't even mention the seven mitzvahs of Noah, the seven commandments of Noahides, when we mention Shem. It's just a, it's a no-brainer. But why don't we emphasize, wow, he really did the seven laws well. Because that's not what defines Shem. That's not what defines a Noahide. A Noahide, really the top of the food chain, is his connection to Shem through the avenue of the yeshiva, the academy of Shem and Aver, through Torah. This is why we emphasize that Shem's burial at his academy in the Galil, where it's in the Holy Land, where it emphasizes the written law, and the academy outside the land in Nineveh emphasizes the spoken custom of Noahides, Derech Eretz, the way of the world, maintaining the world, learning how the world works. And what infused in that is they commit to writing their, their Torah from their experience in the world, come to the land at the Academy of Shem and Aver in the north of Israel, where it's about the written law, where you can come to speak and hear from outside the land to inside the land. You, you hear what is said, and that's the Torah generated from the Academy of Shem. So now that we're discussing the Torah of Shem, why does Torah matter so much? Why don't we emphasize, go learn the laws, just do the laws and, and be good? Because the learning Torah for the Noahide is the really sublime connection to Shem. Let's go into Leviticus 18, 4 and 5. Carry out my laws and safeguard my decrees. To follow them, I am Hashem your God. You shall observe my decrees and my laws, which man shall carry out, and by which he shall live. I am Hashem. Not Cohen, not priest, not Levi, not Jew, not Gentile. Man. No distinction or special categorization. He who learns Torah will live with Hashem. Now, what do we say on this verse? It was taught in the oral tradition. Where do we know that a Noahide who is busy himself with Torah, he is compared to the high priest. Since it says he will do them the man. Not the priest, not the levy, not the Jew, but man. Which teaches us that a Ben Noah, a Noahide involved in Torah is like the high priest. We see fantastic hints in these verses. And you shall guard them. Ushmartem. Works out to be rotem shemo. Rotem is a Hebrew word meaning harnessed. Shemo means his shem. As in his shem ben Noah. You have harnessed his shem. You have, you have been linked back to the academy of Shem, Mishpate, and you do his judgments, his laws. Pati comes from the language in Hebrew to conquer your inclination. 
And the remaining two letters spells Shem. You are of Shem who has conquered the physical desires of this world. You've elevated yourself to be a servant of God. We look at two more characteristics of this verse. The end letters give you a value of that you will be doing them as a man. That you should do them. Is the last three letters of the, of the word Avraham, Abraham, Raham, Reish Hamem. The last three letters of the name Abraham. To show the whole world is under the teaching of Abraham. He was united with Shem on the Temple Mount. And he then goes on to Father Isaac. When you take the, the value of the rest of the verse is the value Isaac. Thus there's the Jewish component. And there's the Ben Noah who through Abraham and Abraham's connection to Shem made the Torah linkage possible. And it goes back to the academy of Shem and Aver. Aver being the Hebrew, the ancestor to Abraham the Hebrew. And now we're going to get into a very fundamental categorization. Categorization is not usually that good of an idea. But everybody's heard of the Jewish nation and their charge with Torah. What is the Noahide nation coming to do? What do they represent? Who are they? Who are they to God? Who are they in terms of history? Who are they today? The Jewish people have been chosen to give over the Torah, guard the Torah, keep the Torah. If you don't keep that mission, you're out. The Jewish nation has been a small nation over time. Who are the Noahide nation? The specially elected nation of God. Look up specially elect. It means divinely chosen for salvation. To be the brotherhood, mano y mano, with the Jewish people. The Jewish people have the Torah. They're teaching the Torah. They should be reliving the academy of Shem. Giving over the Torah in the, in the manner that it was received by Shem from his father Noah, Min Noach, from a resting place. The Torah should be learned with the, the, the substitution of the ways of the world. The Noahide keeps the world intact, keeps the world going for the Jew as learning Torah, but the Noahide can learn the Torah and get right there to be just as with the chosen nature of the Torah, to be a high priest in Torah. We know that there's an evil sect of Judaism called Erev Rav, the intermingled crowd. Moses brought them out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai, provoked the golden calf. The replacement of the evil is when the Jew and the Noahide dwell together in the name of Torah. That's called achdus in Hebrew, brotherhood, unity. That's the true brotherhood going back to Shem and Abraham. Abraham spawning Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, and so forth to Mount Sinai. But looking back in the rearview mirror, all the while, his brotherhood was Shem. And every Noahide who is specially elected from Hashem and goes in the ways of the Torah is right there in the land of Israel at the academy of Shem and Aver with the Torah. 
there still is a fine distinction. But the, the point is, there's a brotherhood. There's a mingling together. That's why the Jew has the tzitzit, the fringes on his garment that are, today we wear white. They'll say, but we, some Jews wear blue. Most wear white. And the white tzitzit are in the merit of Shem. So when a Jew is wearing white tzitzit today, ordained by divine providence, what is he really saying? I represent the Torah of Shem. And the Noahide sees that and says, that's the Torah of Shem. I am like a high priest as well, according to this teaching in the Torah. The more you go in Torah, the more you become chosen to learn the Torah. We learn this from Cain and Abel. Abel was the original priest. Cain was the original Levi, companion or helper of the priest. Cain says, I am a Levi. And from me, if I continue, is a Cohen. The Cohen of the left. Abel says, I am a priest. And from, I came from, and I come from Levi. If I'm a priest, I am of Levi. Cain says, I am a Levi, I can become a priest. The Noahide of the Jew has the same dichotomy. The Jew may have been chosen to keep the Torah. But the Jew must find it in himself to be specially elected. To be the representative of Torah in the world. Very hard task. Much like Abel was to negate himself and realize, I come from him. The Jew comes from Shem and Noah originally. Cain, I am a Levi, I, will, I am to become a priest. If I continue going in Torah, says the Noahide, I can even become the high priest. At that point, you'll have a high priest and a priest. The similarities are so close, it's a joint brotherhood. The definition of the character is defined. A Jew is a Jew, a Noahide is a Noahide. There is no mixing of the two. But are they interacting? Absolutely interacting. On equality, equal plane in the name of Torah as brought down in the academy of Shem and Aver, the forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob in particular learned in the academy of Shem and Aver. For 50 years he served Shem. And it all goes back to the Torah that calls you Ha'adam, the man. He who learns Torah will allow you, the Jew, to become specially elected if he keeps the Torah properly. And the Noahide has the ability to choose the Torah of Hashem and be part of the chosen process of putting Torah in the world and the knowledge of God. Rabbi Katz, thanks so much. That was an excellent teaching. And Adam, I think we're going to need to roll right into George Brock's teaching. So once again, I'll catch you on the other side. Yeah. We'd like to uh, thank Noahide Nations and Israeli National Radio for allowing us to share Noahide teachings to Gentiles everywhere. The teachings of the sages is taught to us by the rabbis. It's an honor to be here. My name is George Brock. And Jack McCarter will be assisting me with the scripture reading. You know, each week we start off with doing three segments, three parts. The first part is 
uh, how we teach our students in martial arts because uh, we have, through the teachings of the martial arts, uh, gotten about uh, 50 to 60 people uh, to become Noahides, and many more are in the process. And uh, so we taught last week lesson one for the first week. Now this week we're going to teach second week, or our, our second group of lessons. And uh, the first thing we teach on the second week is judging. Before judging others, one must understand one's own humanity. That only the misguided cannot see that all men have flaws. This is the weakness of humanity. Next, we teach them about anger. One has to ask oneself, will getting angry make one right? We teach them that the fist starves the hand. In other words, it prevents one from receiving. The third thing we teach is arrogance. The arrogant thinks that they can see things that God cannot see. Well, it doesn't mean that to me, is their key phrase. Their path becomes their own because their fear of loss is greater than their fear of God. The fourth thing we teach them is defeat. Any man can be defeated by a strength outside of himself greater than himself or a weakness on the inside that one perceives to be real. And finally, we teach them about illusions. Anything outside of Torah is an illusion. Nothing is what it seems to be. There is only God. Anything outside of God only exists in the illusion of their mind. The next segment we teach is our Noahide teaching. And this is to our Gentile friends everywhere. Genesis 1 and chapter 4. God saw that the light was good, and God separated between the light and the darkness. All right. How can one get out of the darkness of sin? This is the question many Gentiles ask. When one offers remorse and repentance, no matter how dark his darkness is, one can be illuminated with the light and the life of the Torah, which is the antidote for darkness and death, and it also is what reveals the boundaries of truth. Our food for thought. It is, is it not better to seek the light that one has been given than the darkness one will create? Our terms that we want to learn for this second week is repentance. When one accepts light, the seed of his darkness destroys itself. When one repents, one is only coming in terms with himself, and he sees himself for the way he really is. And if he'll accept that light, then the seed of his darkness will destroy itself. Peace. If one can repent and pass through his darkness, one can find the peace of wholeness. Our darkness is when one rejects the light, one will wander inward to a darkness where there are no where no roads exist and there are no signs to point the way. The answer is to illuminate the darkness of ignorance so that one can see. Then one will know there is only one source for light, the Torah. Yet, does it not reveal the path for each man? Our third segment that we teach is what we call untying the knots. This is where we 
take the things that held us in bondage when we were in uh, Christianity, and we untie these things so it can free one who is a seeker of truth. If they're not seeking truth, then it's, it's better not to argue with someone like this because they're not, they're not going to receive it anyway. So one should only speak to those who, uh, about truth who ask. And then one must watch how much they give. Uh, this becomes the problem. One tries to give everything they know. No, you must start. You must understand they're like being in muddy water. The Torah is what clears the water and gets rid of the mud. Don't be stomping in the water. It's hard enough for them to understand anyone. And must start off very basic and answer their questions. And don't give more than what needs to be given. And uh, we read Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 14. Be pleased when things go well, but in time of misfortune reflect. God has made the one as well as the other so that man should find nothing after him. Everything has its opposite. Just as truth has its opposite. Not only does one have its opposite, but the opposites produce each other. They give birth to each other. If it wasn't for truth, there would be no lie. Everything would just be. All right, so we're going to look at truth, and uh, we're going to look at it, first of all, the way we used to believe. We used to believe Matthew 5.40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Well, we used to believe that one should repay evil with kindness till we became Noahides and discovered truth. Why are Noahides taught to set up courts of justice? Well, when it comes to the law, many liberals teach that you repay evil with kindness. Well, if you repay evil with kindness, what are you going to repay kindness with? One must repay evil with justice, then people are warned from doing bad. And one must repay kindness with kindness, then people are encouraged to do good. Deuteronomy 19, 18-20 The judges shall inquire thoroughly, and behold, the testimony was false testimony. He spoke up falsely against his fellow. You shall do to him as he conspired to do to his fellow, and you shall destroy the evil from your midst. And those who remain shall hearken in fear, and they shall not continue again to do such an evil thing in your midst. Okay, so a court system is set up to stop evil. Matthew seems to believe that you set up a court system to reward evil. Well, we find that that does not line up with truth, and one must go with either God or man. We choose to go with God. Our terms are fear, one who has no fear of the Creator sees laws as weak. The arrogant, for the arrogant, obedience is not the answer, it's the problem. For the humble, they see God's commands as His answers to improve behavior. Our spiritual spark for today a liberal is a conservative who's never been mugged. Self discipline can only be achieved when one removes the conflict within of his forbidden wants, then show loyalty to truth. Again, we want to thank you for allowing us to be on this program, and uh, hopefully we will see you again next week. Until then, Shavua Tov. 
Well, folks, that was George Brock and Jack McCarter, and uh, we appreciate uh, you guys joining us uh, for that teaching. It was a little bit kind of like what we were talking about, liberals and, you know, conservatives right at the end there. You know, I guess we could say that that it's not like George doesn't know Jack. (laughs) Right. Because he knows him. You know, he's right there with him all the time. He knows Jack. That's right. (laughs) Knows a bit about being a Noahide, too. But, folks, we uh, appreciate you sticking around with us. I do want to offer, once again, uh, give you the opportunity to uh, send in your emails, send us your questions, comments, just what have you, to us at noahide at israelnationalradio.com. We like getting your emails, so don't be shy. Go ahead and send them in. And in the meantime, uh, Adam and I are going to buzz on out of here and look forward to seeing you folks next week. Have a great week. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. I'm Carol Cassidy, and I'm from El Paso, Texas, and I'm just so thrilled to be here because the blessings are for all of us who have come to tell Israel we love Israel and we love the people. My name is Justin Calvillo. I'm from Southern California. Couldn't be happier to be here in Israel. What's moved me most is just seeing the communities in Judea and Samaria and how they live and just how vibrant the communities are and live amazing lives. Israel National Radio, spreading the light of Israel around the world.